Mother's Day, and we are so glad that you're here. Hope this is a special day for you, and we try to make it seem kind of Mother's Day e uh, here at the church. You see, we have the pink background, so uh, that makes me feel really good. So that that is for you moms today. But we are we are hopeful that you will have a great day. And so I just want to share to you today a text or a scripture that shares with us about a lady. And as we look at her life, what we discover is that she was an, an unusual lady who demonstrated some qualities in her life by her actions of what it means to be a godly mother. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 8 in just a few moments. So if you want to, you can turn there. If you have, a, if you have your Bible on your phone, you can turn that on and then look for Scripture that way. But we'll be looking at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 8. And as I'm standing up here, I'm, I'm looking out and I see a couple of guys. I'd just like to just tell them uh, congratulations. We have the, the Blythewood High School baseball team is playing in the state championship. And so they, uh, yeah. They, uh, they won Upper State, and they're not hard to pick out because they have beautiful blonde hair. And, uh, of course, Alan Lothian, dude, you look like a skunk. So he's got the, uh, the little black streak right down the middle of his head. And so I saw them last week. I meant to say something, but I just thought I'd uh, let you all know that's been a lot of fun watching them play. That has nothing to do with Mother's Day unless you're one of their mothers. So anyway, uh, there's no doubt that, that mothers probably, I can't think of a more difficult uh, job other than being a dad uh, than Mother's Day, you know, than being a mom. You know, moms wear a lot of different hats. I mean, think about all the stuff moms do. I mean, just in general, mothers, you know, some, many of them have, like my wife, she's a, a school teacher, so they have other jobs, many of them do. And then they also come home and they, they have another job at the house. They take care of the kids. They make sure that everybody, you know, bathes. Uh, they make sure that everybody's wearing nice clothes. They make sure that, that the kids have, have plenty to eat. And that the list goes on and on. And so moms, y'all are, are to be commended. You, you are, uh, you're, you're special. And, and at times there are things that you do that are very memorable. Uh, I, I read a story about a mother who... I had two young kids. She put them into bed. She said, it's time for y'all to go to sleep. And so she went to have some mom time. You know, she took her bath, and uh, she was not, it was nice for her to be alone. It was quiet. She got finished bathing, put on her robe, and then she had washed her hair. So she got the towel and did that thing y'all do, you know, with the towel, which I can't figure that one out. So anyway, just little little things she got on her head, and she put on cream on her face, and, and then she heard her kids in the background, like, yelling at each other and fighting, and it just absolutely ticked her off. And so she, she leaves the bathroom, and she goes in to where her kids are, and she just starts yelling at them. And she's telling them, it's time for them to be quiet. It's time to get some rest. they got school in the morning. And she's going on and on, and the kids are scared to death. And they said, we're sorry. Yes, ma'am. And as she's walking out, uh, the little boy looked over at his brother and said, who was that? <laughs> now, uh, you know, there are times when we have, you know, memories of mom. And some of the memories we have of our mothers, you know, they make us laugh. And then other times there are memories we have of our mothers and it makes us cringe and cry. But the one thing we like so much about mom is just in general is that we, we most of us know that mom cares for us. You know, that we know that mom loves us. And, and that is something that every child needs to know is that, and this is for all of us, that mom and dad love the kids. And so today when the passage of scripture, we're going to see the story of a mother. 
And as we look at this lady, we just look at her life, we discover that she has some qualities in her life that really make her different. Now, some qualities in her life that I really believe are things that come from God. And so it's my hope that as we look at Scripture, that we're going to see uh, for moms about some traits and qualities that you can strive for in your life to be godly. And this is also, you might say, I don't have any kids, or I, I'm a guy, so I can just tune everything out. No, you can't. Uh, my hope is that you can take something from this as well and say, you know what, this applies to me as well. And so we're going to look in First, First Kings chapter 17, verse number 8, and just some background information here. It's really interesting. What's going on is God had, had talked or had had a message for the prophet in the Bible named Elijah. Elijah is considered one of the great prophets in Scripture, and so I'm sure many of you, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard of him before. God gave a message to Elijah. He said, I want you to go to the king of Israel, a guy named Ahab, who was a horrible guy. He said, I want you to go to Ahab and tell him that, for one, I'm ticked off, uh, that he's, he led the people to worship di a different God. And, of course, we know that breaks the very first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. God said, because he's led the people astray, he said, it's not going to rain anymore. Okay, Israel, it doesn't rain much in Israel anyway. And God says, a drought's coming. You go tell the king. So Elijah goes to tell the king. Now, the king, of course, heard the message. And you've heard the, the old adage, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Well, Ahab said, kill Elijah. He gave us a bad message. And so Elijah has to kind of run away to save his life. And God tells Elijah, I want you to go up north and go there. And there you're going to meet a woman who's going to be uh, somebody who takes care of you. And it turned out she was a woman who gives demonstrations of qualities of a godly mother. Okay, so what does it mean to be a godly mother? What are some qualities that we see in Scripture of what it means to be a godly mother? I told the first service, I said, now I can give you a lot of different qualities that are necessary to be a, a godly mother. But I just have a, an inkling that a lot of the qualifications that I have probably are not real scriptural. And so you're not here today to hear what I think. <laughs> you, my, my wife ain't here to hear what I think either. And so what we want to do is, what, what does the Bible say? You know, what does the Bible say about being a godly mother? Well, let's look at our text. The very first quality I see of a godly mother is that she's a mother of service. Part of being a godly mother is that you're going to be a person who serves. Now, in verse number 8, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, this is Elijah, it says, Get up, go to Zarephath, that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I've commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. And so Elijah got up and went to Zarephath, and when he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow woman gathering wood. And Elijah called to her and said, Hey, please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. Now, God told Elijah to go to this town called Zarephath, which was in the kingdom of Sidon. Uh, not that you're that interested, but I'll tell you where it is. It's, it's north of Israel, probably been in the, it would have been in where Lebanon is today. And uh, the reason why I'm telling you this is because it's interesting to me that God had told the people in Israel, I'm ticked off, you're not worshiping me, so Elijah, I want you to leave to escape, and I want you to go to another country that doesn't worship me either. And that they worship the god Baal as well. And so he goes up there, Elijah goes up there, and he meets this woman in this pagan country, and it turns out that Elijah has to go to a pagan country in order to meet a woman 
who serves God. And so that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I just thought that was just sort of an interesting little side note there. But whenever Elijah gets there, it says he runs into a woman who's at the city gate, and this is where y'all get to participate. What does Elijah do when he sees this woman? What does he ask for? He asks for some water. Okay, now, doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but here's what's interesting. It hasn't rained in a while. Uh, there's a drought that's going on. As a matter of fact, this is probably a drought that's been going on for some time. And if there's a drought going on, guess what you don't have a whole lot of? I have a lot of water. Uh, not only that, you don't have a whole lot of food. And uh, when, I, when I think about it, I think that's, it's rather strange that Elijah, he just sort of comes up to this lady. It doesn't seem like he has, has any qualms about it. He just says, hey, lady, bring me some water. Like it's not that big of a deal. Now, why did he ask her for water? Well, the reason why is because God had told him to go there and he would meet a woman there and she would provide for him. She would serve him. And so Elijah knew that even though the circumstances weren't looking too good, he's like, you know, God gave me a command and I'm going to be obedient to what God tells me to do. Uh, he doesn't just ask her for water. Later on, he also asked her for food. And you have to try to, you have to picture this. A drought's going on. Uh, this lady and her son are starving, they really are, they are starving to death. And Elijah comes to her and says, hey, while you're up, you know, grab me something to drink and I'd like a little snack on the side. And so a drought's going on here. What's going on? Well, what's going on is that Elijah knew that God had called him to go here because he would run into a lady who was willing to, to serve. And she did just that. You know, anytime you see good service, especially today, it, it gets your attention. I'm sure that many of you are, are like me and you think that customer service is something that is, it seems to be, it, it doesn't seem to be the norm anymore. You know, if you get, if you get good customer service, in, in general, you're pretty blown away by it. Man, that is awesome. I can't believe they actually smiled. You know, when they serve me. Um, and that's one of my, one of my favorite things that, that's been happening when, uh, at the church is that one thing, when we started the church, we said, you know, as a church, we don't want to be a church that sees what we can get out of the community, but we'd like to be a church that serves the community. And so there's a lot of different things that we, that we do, and we go out to the community and serve. And one of my, one of my favorite parts is whenever y'all go out and you serve people, and I act like I'm serving too, uh, people will come up to you and they find out I'm the pastor, and they'll go, why, why are y'all doing this? Or they'll come up to me and say, hey, how much, you know, like for instance, the last thing we, one of the last things we did is we did the um, Easter extravaganza and we had some guys in our church who cooked like, like 1,500 meals for people. And people would come up to me and say, hey, before I take, how much is this? And of course I would say, well, you need to write a check to cash. Um, I was like, you know what, it, 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 it's, it doesn't cost anything. And like, why? I mean, it's because that's how jaded we are anymore. We, there's some catch. And so it's so fun to say, well, the reason why we're doing this is because we want to do this to demonstrate to you the love of Christ. And so I'm just telling you that any time you serve, that it gets people's attention. And service also applies to motherhood. A mother who has a servant's heart, man, she's going to impact the life of her child more than a person who really doesn't have a heart to serve. 
You know, so, so many of us speak of our mothers in the highest regard for a very simple reason. Because we know that our mothers have served us through thick and thin. That they have cared for us, even whenever sometimes we're not that caring back. You know, service is a quality that comes from God. We're told in John 13, 35 by Jesus, he said, By this all men will know that you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Now, a godly mother serves because her motivation is love. Her motivation is to serve even whenever the one she is serving is not always lovable. And let me tell you something. I've learned this. I have learned that children are not always lovable. Have y'all noticed that? Um, have, have, you know, and, and now except for like us, when we were kids, we were always lovable. But it's just interesting. Kids are not always lovable. And a lot of times they don't appreciate what you do. I mean, whenever they're a baby, like the babies that were dedicated today, they don't have an appreciation for what you got. I'm just trying to make y'all feel better. They don't care what you do, just as long as you meet their needs. Now, why in the world would we continue to serve somebody who's not appreciative? It comes down to one simple thing. It's because of love. It's because the overriding issue is that we love regardless. And as I look into our text today, I see that there is a mother of service. And this mother had a desire to serve. She wanted to be obedient to God. She wanted to make an impact. And so her, her desire was to be a person who served. And whenever she served, God blessed her service. You know, they're going through a drought. And the promise that God gave her through Elijah the prophet is God said, or Elijah said, because of your service, God is going to spare your life. And he's going to spare the life of your son. And mothers, I want you to know that as you serve, that God promises that he will bless you as well. God blesses when we serve. And mothers, if you have a desire to demonstrate the qualities of a godly mother, one, one thing or one action that will be a part of your life is that you will have a desire to be a mother of service. But not only that, you'll also have a desire to be a mother who provides a mother of provision. And I want you to look with me in verses 11 and 12. Elijah just asked her for water. And it says, as she went to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any, anything baked. Only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I'm gathering a couple of sticks in order to go and prepare it for myself and my son so that we can eat it and die. That's uplifting, isn't it? Now, th that verse is in there to let you know the severity of what's going on. Y'all, there is a drought going on. It is so severe, they are down to their last snack. And she said, I'm going to go cook it for me and my son, and then we're going to die. Because we don't have anything else left to eat. I mean, now again, it just blows my mind. Elijah comes in, hey, I'm hungry. Why don't you give me something to eat? And the lady looks at him, and her first response is, sure. What's her first response? I don't have anything left. I've got a little bit left. And let me tell you something, it's not for you. It's for my child. 
I'm going to provide for my child. You know, that is, I really believe, in, in some senses, I believe that's a natural instinct of a mother to provide for her child. And, and even whenever she's coming down to the end, she is willing to sacrifice everything that she has in order for her child to survive. They're in the midst of a drought, and she's done the best that she can, and she's come to the end, but still number one in her mind above herself is I'm going to provide for my child. I'm going to take care of my kid. And again, I believe that's a natural instinct for a mother to provide for her child. I believe a natural instinct is to provide for your child what they want, but more importantly, to provide for your child what they need. I look at this lady in our text, I see that she was a woman of service, and she wanted to serve the prophet, but her first thought went back to her child. She knew she had to provide for a child before she could provide for the prophet. Now, mothers, let me ask you a question. Are you providing for your children what they need? Now, I'm not talking about are you providing what they want. There's a difference. Are you providing for your kids what they need? Now, I know that needs, it, it seems like a relative term at times. I know that almost every time that our family goes out to eat, uh, we, you know, after church on Sundays, not today, but typically we go to San Jose's. We, by the way, our church keeps them in business. And so we go to San Jose's, and after we get finished eating, my daughter will come up to me and say, Dad, can I have a quarter or can I have a dollar? And the reason why is because she believes that she needs candy before we leave. Now, is that really a need? No, it's a want. Now, if you look at her, when I say no, you would think it's a need because she's devastated and crushed. You know, and she tries to guilt trip. I don't respond very well to guilt. And so I'm looking at her, I like, hey, listen, if it comes down to you living and not, and, and, uh, and having that candy or dying and not having it, well, man, it's nice knowing you. And so my daughter's sitting there, you know, she's all, all destroyed, but guess what? She survives. Why does she survive? Because it's not what she, it's, it's not a need, it's a want. Well, what, what, what do our kids need? Well, you know, they need food, water, and shelter. But they also, they need love. And, you know, you know, one of the best ways that we give as believers that we give love to our children is by sharing with them who Jesus is. You want, if you really love your kids, you're going to tell them about Jesus. Now, why is that? Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, our kids need to know that there is a God who created them for a reason. Their life's not an accident. Our children need to know that there is a God who has a purpose in mind for their life. That there is a God who has an eternity planned for their lives. And yet we have so many people who look at life and they see life as being an accident. Or they see life as just being something that's rather trivial. Y'all, life is, it is from God. And if you're going to demonstrate love to your kid, you need to let them know that. You see, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So whenever I look at our text, I say, you know, what, is it, what are some qualities of a godly mother, and for that matter, for a godly man? Is that you're going to be a person of service and a person of provision? But here's the most important one. The final quality of a godly mother that I see in our text today is that you're going to be a mother of faith. A mother of faith, we see this in the last few verses. In verse 13 it says, Then Elijah said to her, this is after he asked her for food. He said, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you've said, 
Only make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me, and afterwards you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says, The flour jar will not become empty, and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. And so she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah, she and he and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty, and the old jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. Okay, that is, this is a crazy story. Now, Elijah told the woman, he said, I'd like for you to get me some food. He said, if you give me some food, what's going to happen is that your food pantry is never going to run dry. So if you, if, you, if you feed me, God is going to make sure that he provides for you. Now, for her to believe that, you know what that took? Faith. That took a great amount of faith. Again, try to put yourself in a situation. There's a drought. You're starving to death. A guy comes to your house, says, the Lord said you're going to feed me. Now, I don't know how y'all are. I know how I am. And I would have probably, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, this guy is a con artist. He's asking me to feed him so that he can get my food, and then he's going to leave, and me and my son are not going to have anything left to eat. Now, the other response that I'd have is, okay, so let me get this right. I'm supposed to feed you, because I don't have anything else to eat, and I'm supposed to feed you, and then after I feed you, then I'm going to have miraculously food appear in my pantry over and over again. Who's going to pull that one off, Houdini? Um, or I'm going to be thinking, okay, I tell you what, I believe you probably are a prophet, but here's what we're going to do. I'm going to eat first with my kid, and then all the new stuff that God makes, you can have that. But notice what Elijah told her. Elijah said, you're going to feed me first, and then you can eat afterwards. Now, guys, let me tell you something. That is what faith is. It is putting God first and then trusting him with what he will do with you next. Putting God first and trusting what he will do in your life next. Now, now many of us, I, I really believe this, I believe many of you are willing to serve God. God, I want to I serve you, but I want to serve you second. You know, God, I'm willing to give you Sunday, but the rest of the week, man, this is the world. I'm going to live for me. There's some stuff i got to do, Lord, that I don't think you necessarily would agree with. So I want to just kind of put you on Sunday, and then I'll get back to you after I do all that other stuff, because I want to keep your hands clean. Or there's some of us who say, if I put God first, then that means i got to change the way I do business. It means i got to change the way that I interact with people. And if I change the way I do business, then it could actually hurt my business. I might lose some of my clients. And so what many of us do is we look for a way around that. But I look at this lady in our text, man, I'm just so impressed with this lady. Did she look for a way around the dilemma that she was in? Because if she was going to put God first, it meant that she was going to give up the last of what she had to serve somebody else. What did she do? I look at verse number 15. She went away and did as Elijah told her. She had faith 
that God was going to do, just as Elijah said, that he's going to provide food for she and her son. She was a woman of faith, and because she was a woman of faith, as you read the story, you know what happened? She ate. God provided for her and her son and for Elijah to make it through the drought. Hebrews 11.6 has a word that's very important for us. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Y'all, God will bless and honor those who trust and follow him. And you know what our kids need to see and our world needs to see? They need to see people who put their money where their mouth is. And we say that we are followers of Jesus. You know what the world needs to see us doing? They need to see us following Jesus. I mean, this ain't rocket science. You want, you want people to take your faith seriously? You want your kids to take your faith seriously about what you say about your God? Then let them see you living for and trusting in Jesus. And if you do that, you know what's going to happen? They're going to say, man, they really believe that stuff. Can you imagine what this kid, the testimony he got from his mom when she said, I give up everything for God, and then miraculously food starts appearing? Man, what an incredible testimony. No telling what this young man became. You see, what happens is when we, when we are in a position of influence, and parents and adults and even young people, you're in positions of influence. When people watch you and look up to you, they have a tendency to emulate you. So what kind of, what kind of testimony do you give? Because there's people who are going to copy you. I've told this story before. I, 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 think it's, I just think it's, it's, I think it's a great story. Um, it's a man who's sitting there watching his wife you know, cook, and his wife was making roast. And every time she made roast, she always did something a little strange. She'd always cut it in two and put it in two different pans and stick it in the oven. He's like, I don't get this. And so he just asked her, he said, why do you do that? She's like, what are you talking about? He said, well, why do you always put the roast in two pans and stick it in the oven? And, and she said, I don't know. My mom always did that. He said, I'm going to ask her. So he called her up and said, hey, listen, I'm, you know, she's always cooking the roast. And she always she cuts it in two, puts it in two pans. She said, you do that. Why do you do that? She said, that's a great question. I mean, it's the way my mom taught me. And so he's, I'm getting the bottom of this. And so he called his wife's grandmother. And he said, okay, I've, been, I've already called everybody. Just want to know, when you cook roast, why don't you cut it in two, put it in two different pans, and stick it in the oven? She said, well, I don't have a pan big enough for one roast. Now, folks, that, that is what happens. Whether you know it or not, there are people who are watching you, and they're going to copy you. Now, the question is, what, what kind of a testimony are you living? You know, what kind of a demonstration are you giving about who you are in your relationship with Jesus. You know, what kind of an influence are you? Now, maybe your children see you being a mother of service and being a mother of provision, or guys, maybe your kids see you doing the same thing. But what is most important, and those things are important, but what is most important is that people see us being a people of faith. That we are willing to trust God. See, it's so important that we 
have a godly influence upon our children. Because I guarantee you, if, if you're going to leave it up to somebody else to give a demonstration, a testimony of faith, uh, there's nobody that can impact your kid like you do. Yeah, it's not going to be the school. We have so many teachers in the church, and they are, we have so many godly teachers. They're going to be a great influence for your kids. They're already a great influence for your kids, but they're not going to be as great of an influence as you are. It's not going to happen at the daycare center. The greatest place is going to be you. It's going to be in the home. Now, how's that happen? I look at this lady in our text. I see some qualities. She, had, she was a mother of service. She was a mother of provision. And finally, she was a mother of faith. Now, my encouragement to you is just simply take this time and say, how am I being a mother? How am I being a person who demonstrates faith? in my daily living. How does that happen? Because I think for a lot of us are honest, we'd have to say, you know what, when it comes down to it, I, I make sure my kids get up in the morning, I make sure they're wearing the right clothes, I pack their lunch, I send them off to school. But the last thing for so many of us is to think, how am I demonstrating my walk with God in front of my kids? Our kids need to see us living for Jesus. So this week, here's my encouragement for you. Pray for your children. Let your children see you praying for them. Let them see you reading scripture. Let them see you worshiping in the church. It's a good place to be. Let your children see that you are trusting in God. And as you do those things, I really believe like the widow in our text, that God will honor that. And he'll bless.